Uh, anybody in the room just looking back, thinking, I nearly copped it. My life was nearly over, but he's been good. He's rescued me. He's saved me. He's a good God. That doesn't mean our lives are easy. It doesn't mean they're without trial. It doesn't mean that they're, they're, they're a, a piece of cake, a walk in the park. They're difficult sometimes, but God is good. He's a good God. When I think about what I deserve from a holy God, well, let me tell you, he's good. He's really, really good. Because what I deserve is to be lost forever. I deserve to be punished for my sin. I deserve to go to hell. That's what I deserve. But what he's done is he's done something amazing to rescue me from hell, to save me, to transform my life. That's what I deserved. But what do I get? I get a fantastic relationship with the God that created me. And I can look forward, not just to heaven, but look forward to living a fantastic God-filled life I trust here and now, all right? That's just the introduction. All right, let's get started, shall we? Today we're going to look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, and I've called it One Way. Let me be bold and courageous and say, I said it recently, I'll say it again, there's only one way to the Father. Sorry if that offends you. There's not many routes, there's not many ways, there's not many directions to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There's only one way to get into right relationship with God, and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to say that right from the beginning, because that's what I'm all about. I haven't signed up to a multi-directional approach to God. I've signed up to make the good news known. There's only one person that really matters. There's only one person that really can make things right in our relationship relationship with the person that created us, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Absolutely no one else comes anywhere near comparison to him. He is amazing. If you take all the greatest people that have ever been worshipped, and you pile them all together, and you add up all their greatness, they still come massively short of how great he is. That's why I love him. That's why I preach about him. That's why I tell people my street about him. Because he's magnificent. He's glorious. He's fantastic. And there's no one else worth preaching about. That's just, yeah, I'm just getting going. Right, come on. <laughs> Let's get to the passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, here it is. And so it was with me, Paul speaking. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And as a second witness to this, listen what he says to the church in a different place in Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, however you want to pronounce it. He says in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. So he says to the people at Corinth and the, the people at Thessalonica, he says, this is what happened when I brought you the message. The Holy Spirit accompanied the message and there was power and deep conviction and I was at work, God says, I was at work in this when you proclaimed this good news. 
Anybody in this room longing for, not just public preaching, but in one-to-one -one witness, is there anybody longing for that backing of power when we talk to people about Jesus, when we offer to pray for people? We want that backing of Holy Spirit power. We want deep conviction to come upon people, not because we're wanting to make them miserable, but because they are miserable. If you live in sin, if you live a sinful life, if you follow the flesh, you will be miserable because you're not living in the good of what God intended for you to live in right relationship with him. Okay, first point, here we go. If you want to take notes, feel free. First point, we need a humble sense of inadequacy. I don't stand here today because I'm great at this in my flesh. I don't stand up here because I'm an amazing person. This man McDonald is great. No, if I stand up today, the only reason I stand up and I proclaim the word of God to you is because the spirit of God helps me to do it. I cannot make a single person slightly concerned about their spiritual welfare if I proclaim Jesus in my own strength. But when the Spirit of God fills our lives, when he's upon us, when we're, we're flowing in what we're asked to do by him, we can expect God to come with us when we cry out to him humbly, please help me. So I've been praying today, Lord, help me. I've been praying for all of you. There are people in this room I don't even know. You're not here by chance. Because I've been praying, Lord, bring the right people here today to this meeting who are meant to be in this meeting today. So you're not here by a fluke. It's not probability, although I teach math, I love math, it's not by probability you're here. You're here because God's called you to be here. He's got something to say to you today that's going to help you. There's two types of Christian I've met in this regard. In this regard. You can get the cocky person who thinks they can do it all. They think they're fine. I've got it sorted. I've got it covered. I'm sure people appreciate what I've got to say. It's called pride. But I've also met other... I've also met other Christians who go the other way. I can't do anything. God could never use me. Do you know how rubbish I am? And you feel like calling the Samaritans, do you know what I mean? It gets pretty desperate. No offence, but, you know, it's pretty bad. Ah, oh, God could... And can I say to you, both those extremes are wrong. Listen to what the Word of God says, not what Al says. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man or a woman remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit or she will bear much fruit. Listen, apart from me, you can do nothing. Anybody in the room feel quite released by that? I do. Oh, that's a relief. I don't have to do this in my own strength. In fact, let's be honest, if I had to do it in my own strength, let's pack up, go home. Have the Olympics finished? <laughs> Nearly? Watch the telly? What's the point? But then listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4.13. Paul says, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Anybody in the room excited by that? Because I am. That means whatever God calls you and me to do, we can do it 
because of him and his power at work within us, not because we have anything in ourselves that's amazing. Now, that's great, because what that means is, if you've just come to Jesus five minutes ago, you already have in you what you need to live the kind of life he's called you to live. You have Christ living within you. You may be a Christian a long time, but it doesn't matter. The Spirit of God lives in you. Here's what I felt God wanted to say to us today on this particular point. It's this. For some of us, our mindset and our confession needs to change from I cannot to I can. Now, why do I say mindset and confession? Has anybody noticed that you can be in people's company and more and more what comes out of their mouth it's, it's what's going on inside. And often what we do as humans, and I've done it too, is the more and more we talk about certain things. For example, I'll use Alex. This is not true, Alex, but I'll use you as an example. Alex really hurt me. He really offended me. I'm upset with Alex. Oh, by the way, did you know that Alex really upset me? He really offended me. Oh, by the way, Ryan, did you know that Alex really upset me? And has anybody been there before? Come on, be honest. And the more people you tell, you feel more justified. What comes out of our mouth sometimes betrays what's in our hearts. So what I'm saying is, God wants to remind us today, our mindset, our thinking needs to switch from, I cannot accomplish this, God, to, do you know what? I can, because you're with me, your power, your strength will enable me to. And what comes out our mouth begins to help because what we're confessing is the truth of what God says. Now, please hear me carefully if you're a visitor. I'm not saying to you, I confess today the Lord has given me a Cadillac, brand new, pink with black spots. It's mine in Jesus' name. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. If the word of God declares the truth, I line myself up with the truth and that's what I say. So I say today, by the goodness of God, I can accomplish everything the Lord Jesus calls me to do and so can you. And that's because it's based not on some self-help coach guru, but because it's what God says and it's true and we can take it to the bank and say, I am totally convinced this is what God says, therefore it's true I can accomplish it. Come on, there's anybody in the room agreeing with me here. We can accomplish it. Number two, a, con a consistent focus. It's very easy when Christians get together to, to very quickly go into the distinguishing features of our church. What's your church like? What's your church like? Oh, you believe that? What do you think about women's ministry? What do you think about Israel? What do you think about the last times? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And so what we do is we very quickly focus on things we may or may not agree with. Listen to this, people of God. Paul says, when I was with you, there was one focus. I wanted to focus on Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, the other things are important. But listen, they're not as important as focusing in on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is that important? Because listen, Jesus means to deliver, to rescue. That's who he is. He's the rescuer. He's the deliverer. And then Paul goes further. He calls him Jesus Christ. This is not a swear word. 
or a swear phrase that so many people use, they just trips off the tongue like cussing and swearing, using Jesus' name as blasphemy. No, no, he says, Jesus, the Christ. The Christ tells us that he is the anointed one. He's the special one, not Jose Mourinho. He used to call himself the special one. No, he's not the special one. I know your man likes Chelsea, no offense to Chelsea, but he's, he's moved now and he's at Roma now. A.S. Roma, that's where he is now, those that like football. Anyway, moving on. Jesus is the special one, the anointed one. Jesus, deliverer, the Christ, the anointed special one from God and crucified. It says in the dictionary, put someone to death by nailing or binding them to a cross, especially as an ancient punishment. Jesus Christ, Jesus the deliverer who was sent as the special one died on the cross for us and he has purchased for every man or woman who will receive him the forgiveness of sins, a new relationship with the God that made us. Paul wants to get across who Jesus is and what he's done. Can I ask you, let's focus when we're reaching the world, let's focus on who he is and what he's done. You'll lose me. If I go in the streets and you want me to answer all your questions, I can't. You can tie me in knots about all the evolutionary ideas and creationism. You can lose me. There's people in the church far more knowledgeable than me than all these issues, right? When I go in the streets, when I go to my neighbour, I'm going to start talking about Jesus. No evolution, no creation. Well, it's got a place. If that's what people are asking, it's got a place. I want to stick to Jesus. Let me tell you my friend Jesus. Let me tell you what he's like. Let me tell you what he's done. I want us to focus on Jesus because that's the best place to stay focused. Here's my confidence. This is my confidence. If you bring people to Jesus and they come to really know Jesus, guess what happens? They do change. All the other stuff, God will take care of. The first responsibility is to introduce people to Jesus. Let's move on. Number three. This guy had an honest appraisal of himself he, he said that he came with weakness man alive this is the guy that propagated the gospel in the new testament wrote letters in the new testament he says he was scared he was a scaredy cat that gives me encouragement is there anybody else in the room who sharing the faith you felt like a scaredy cat well I have that's three of us well done the rest of the church fantastic <laughs> You guys are mightily filled with power. No. <laughs> it's scary. I wonder why God does things in his timing. Listen to this one, right? This is hot off the press today. My wife said to me, isn't this rather strange just before you stand up to preach? A couple of weeks ago, a lady in our little community walks her dog, saw her one day without her dog, and she shouts across the, the road, Oh, I'm struggling with my arthritis. is really bad in my right leg. And I think we were in a hurry. And I skipped it. Rather than offer to pray, I skipped it. And I'll be honest with you, a few times I've looked at my front window to see when she walks past, because she walks every day with her dog. You know what happened today? Hot off the press. Came out the front door to come to church. Who's right outside the front door but Janet with her wee dog I said I, I felt oh, we've got to get a church no that can wait this is more important 
I said, when we saw you a couple of weeks ago, I was concerned to hear about your arthritis in your right leg. I said, um, I'm going to, do you mind if I just be a little bit bold and courageous? Would you mind, I'm a, I'm a Christian, would you mind if I pray for you that Jesus will just come and bless you and heal you? And the response was not, get lost, you Bible basher. It was the exact opposite. Oh, yes, please. I want rid of this. That would be great if you could take it away. So I laid my hand on her. I asked the Lord Jesus to come in power. Because I'm special. It's ordinary Christianity. So I just asked the Lord to come and touch her. In the name of Jesus, be healed. She said, thank you very much. She went away. I didn't have time to hang around for test it all and go run around the block without your dog and then collect your dog again. I never had time to do all that. But listen to me. I said to you recently when, when I was sharing with you, my job, our job, is to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and to do what he asks us to do. The results are God's. If she gets healed today, praise the Lord. But if she gets healed six months from now, praise the Lord. Here's the most important thing. I said, anytime you want to come for prayer, knock our door. What's happened here? We're telling people in the world we love them. We care about them. We want them to encounter Jesus. And I want to tell you, church, please, if you take nothing else away today, take this back home with you. You can do that. It's not the guy up the front with the, the extrovert personality who's quite a loud Scottish bloke who seems pretty fearless. That's not true. Some days I am fearful. Some days I'm scared. Somebody in the church got in touch with me this week saying, I can't wait till later in the year, Al. Let's get on the streets. Will you come with me on the streets? Let's talk to people about Jesus. And I thought, that's brilliant. What a great desire. <laughs> and started to go... <laughs> started to get scared of that. It's a bit scary. Could be some of my colleagues. Ooh. And the enemy comes in you and tries to scare the life out of you. Don't let him do it. You can do this, people of God. Come on. If you take anything from out, you can do it. It's not because I or anybody else in the leadership or anybody else in the church is the special one. We are all special ones. We are all equipped to share the good news, to pray for the sick, to share the good news of Jesus with, with various people. We are not in this church, we are not in the business of looking to raise superstars. It's not the superstar healing evangelist. It's not the superstar mega pastor. We're in the business of equipping every believer to live in the fullness of all that God has for you. You should be coming here every week. We should, our meetings are going to have to drag on. Not drag on. It won't be drag. It'll be amazing. But they'll keep going. Do you know why? Because somebody over here will say, I need to tell you, I prayed for my neighbor this week. They came to Jesus. This gentleman says, I prayed for my friend at work. He got healed. And what happens is, basically, we're going to have so many stories of what God's doing, we're going to have to try and fit them into the meeting. That's the way it should be. Not one or two. Is any of the church praying for this? Come on. Any of the church praying for encounters with people where the, where the Lord shows up and we see God at work and we have so many testimonies flying all over the place. We think this is incredible. God's at work through a bunch of ordinary people like us who have an extraordinary God. Number four. Paul had a recognition of the Spirit's, the Holy Spirit's power. He says in Thessalonians, 
as we read earlier, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. I need to read you a story. Is that okay? Can you permit me a story? One of my favorites. The book's called The Wigglesworth Standard. I would probably call it the New Testament standard, but there you go. As the passenger enjoyed the warmth of the morning sun coming through the window, he surmised that the train was making good time. They were already halfway to Cardiff in South Wales. He should have been very content, but this morning was different. Feeling uncomfortable and uneasy, he couldn't understand the sense of guilt that he was experiencing. Memories of things he'd done came flooding through his mind, accompanied by an overwhelming sense of fear. Somehow he knew this had something to do with that man, the older grey-haired man sitting toward the back corner of the car reading the small book. That would be Wigglesworth reading his Bible. He tried to divert his focus from him by joining in the conversation and joking with other passengers, but he just couldn't. His mind kept reverting to that man over there. Mentally, he questioned, what is it about him? Why? He's a kind old man with a definite love in his eyes. Why should I fear him? The elderly gentleman, that's Wigglesworth, stood to leave the carriage. The distressed traveler felt a great sense of relief. <laughs> but that nagging guilt and fear still remained. Wigglesworth had gone to wash his hands before arriving at his destination. Very aware that the people in his carriage were unsaved. They didn't know Jesus. He'd been unable to say a word yet, so he continued to pray quietly. As he walked back along the corridor and entered the carriage, it happened. A wave of guilt and fear enveloped the man sitting by the window as Wigglesworth walked by him. No longer could the man stand it. He jumped out of his seat. Listen to this. Looked straight at Wigglesworth, said, Sir, you convince me of sin. And sank to his knees. Bear in mind, Wigglesworth had not said a word. The same wave swept over the whole carriage as others began saying, who are you? You convince us all of sin. What an opportunity. They all listened, riveted, as this most unusual man explained to them that what they were feeling was the power of God's Holy Spirit convicting them of their sin, that they needed to surrender to Jesus who would forgive them and wash their sins away. Real repentance occurred that day, right there in the train carriage, as each one surrendered to Jesus, the guilt and fear left never to return. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. We are carriers of his presence. What does that look like? That means when I walk into the classroom, I carry his presence into the room. When you go to the office, if you're looking for a job, when you go to the social security office, you're looking for a job, his presence goes with you. His kingdom presence is at work in you wherever you go. You bring his presence. Isn't this incredible? The man sits in the carriage. He doesn't even say a word. And this guy's, oh, my sin. I've offended God. You know, man. He comes under conviction of sin. And Wigglesworth, at the right time, takes the opportunity and tells him, what you're experiencing is this. The Holy Spirit of God's convicting. You need Jesus. Anybody in this place long for that kind of witness where not only our words, but our actions or sometimes our inactions, we just are there. The presence of God is with us. Would you pray? Would you pray for one another in the church?
Would you pray for one another that we will have encounters with God like that? As well as others, where we just put, I honestly believe this, church, if we pray for one another, more things will happen. If we don't pray for one another, less things will happen. Pray for one another in our personal witness. Wherever we go, we take his presence. We bring his presence in amongst people. Last point, number five. A confidence in God's power. I smile when I see that, God's power, because I once met a Nigerian guy, and that was his name. Unusual name. His name was God's power. And we used to joke when he came into the room, here comes God's power. And it was true. That was the Nigerian bloke's name. His name was God's power. What a great, what a great name. Paul had a confidence in God's power. Can I say something to you, brothers and sisters, lovingly? I think one of the reasons why we shut up and keep quiet shut up and keep quiet about Jesus is because I think sometimes we have a crisis of confidence. Can I say that lovingly? Sometimes we have a crisis of confidence. We have a niggling doubt at the back of our mind. Does this gospel really work? Lovely tool of the enemy, isn't it? Lovely tool of Satan. Are you sure? You know your friend that's depressed? You know your friend that's X, Y, Z. Are you sure the good news about Jesus is really the answer? Couldn't it be Jesus plus someone else? What about Jesus and politics? By the way, good for Christians to engage in politics. All for that. But politics will never transform the inner heart of men and women like the gospel does. You can preach politics. You can have all your opinions you like, pro, anti. It will never change the hearts of men and women because only the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms from the inside out. If, if you want a better community, if you want people in your street to love people, if you want it to go from being crime-ridden, violent, to the most peaceable place on earth, You'll never do it just by pumping cash in and giving a political message. Here's what'll happen. Share the good news with people. Tell them that Jesus Christ transforms lives. And one by one, family by family, when they come to Jesus Christ, that street will be transformed into the one of the most glorious places on earth to live. Anybody agree with me here? Come on. It's the gospel that does it. It ain't vote for him, vote for her. Okay. That will not solve the deepest roots in the hearts of men and women. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I've put up there in the next slide. Thanks, Mike. The next one, buddy. Thank you. Crisis? Question mark. Do we still believe that this gospel is the only message that can truly transform the lives of people from every tribe, every tongue, Every nation, confidently, we can say yes. That's why I said at the beginning, Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the only way. I'm almost done. One more thing I need to share with you. I want to step back for a moment. I've, when I come back from my holidays, I felt uh, for some strange reason to go to my bookcase and uh, pick a particular book and reread it again. And I'm on my third time and I'm nearly finished. It's this book called The Heavenly Man. And it's about a Chinese pastor who has suffered much for Christ. 
let me tell you something. We talked earlier on about a humble sense of inadequacy. In context, in context, let me just tell you this. This man has been incarcerated several times in jail. He was beaten beyond belief. Almost died. So battered. Lies were to told about him. Because he was involved in the church growing in China, the authorities thought he was against the state, so they punished him. They punished his wife. They punished his fellow leaders. I want you to listen to this. This book has truly humbled me even more. Sometimes I'm with colleagues and I feel a bit timid. Then I read this guy's story. He feels sorry for us. He feels sorry for us. We don't have the joyous privilege of suffering for Jesus the way he does. He counts it joy to suffer. He counts it joy to be beaten. He counts it joy to be sent to prison. He counts it joy because he loves Christ and he says, Jesus laid everything down for me. I'll, live it down. I'll lay it down for him. He counts it joy and he almost feels sorry for us in the West because we don't have that joy. Here's what he says. I am nothing. It's certainly not because of any special skills or abilities that God chose me to be his ambassador to the nations. It was only by his mysterious, undeserved grace. This is a man who has accomplished so much along with others for the advancement of the gospel and changing the face of China. And he says, I'm nothing without him. His grace towards me has enabled me to accomplish amazing things. Listen, brothers and sisters. The Spirit of God has all the power you and I need to live the kind of life that God's called us to. You have nothing, I have nothing to be ashamed of. Can I say this nicely? The world has got no message to share with me of any eternal consequence. They can tell me what they like. It won't do much. But guess what? I stroke we have got the message. It's the other way around. We've got the message the world needs. Not the world's got the message the church needs. We're the ones who set the trend. We're the ones who say, this is the message you need. This is what you need to hear. This is what it's all about. When we were worshipping today, just a little, uh, hopefully a little prophetic thing here. When we were worshipping, uh, to you our hearts are open, we sang. Here's what I felt dropped in my heart. I'm not saying thus says the Lord, okay? But I felt this is what God put in my heart. I felt like today someone here, maybe more than one, God was saying to you, your heart used to burn. What happened? Who robbed you? Come back to me. Let me light the fire again. Shall I say it one more time? Your heart used to burn. What happened? Who robbed you? Come back to me, God says, and let me light the fire again. If that's you, you don't have to go telling people. If that's you, just say, I'm here. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Lord, light the fire again. I'm sorry that it's grown so dim. 
I'm sorry that I've wandered off and done my own thing, gone my own way. I'm coming back. Light the fire again in my heart that I'll be ablaze with your presence and your power. Okay, church. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. It's a joy and a privilege to be a part of this family. And I just want to keep encouraging you all the time until you're fed up with me. I'm going to keep reminding you, you can do everything God's called you to do. No superstars. Each one, Paul says, each one's a star that shines. Each of us shine. Let's shine for Christ. Let's take opportunities. By the way, if it goes wrong, you pray for Sunday and it doesn't quite work out, don't sweat. It's not all down to you. The thing that's down to you and me is to obey when he calls. That's my responsibility. I can't fob it off. That's my responsibility. When God says, Alistair, go pray for that woman. Alistair, go speak to that person. Alistair, sit down, shut up. Do what God tells you to do. Because that's your responsibility. But as for the results, as for the nations being shaken, which is going to happen, God will ultimately accomplish that because it's his power that does it. Can I just pray before I pass by? Um, can, we, can I just encourage us some sort of way to respond? You don't have to lift your hands or open your hands, but if that helps you, please do. Can I just pray for us? Is MD up for this? Come on. Who, who wants to see the streets change? I do. Who wants to see this town? I was praying for a town the other day. This is a great place to live. I'm blessed to live in Colchester. It's a great town. There's lots of great things about it, but not just Colchester. All the little parts around about, Mersey, all the little Brightland Sea, all the places around about. Let's see God move in such power that this whole part of North Essex and beyond will be transformed. Father, let's receive from him. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you come upon us afresh today? Would you pour the Holy Spirit of God upon us with fresh power, fresh confidence? I pray for some today, maybe you even have to shout it out. For some people need to shout out, I can, I can, I can do it. I can pray for that husband of mine. I can pray for that wife of mine who doesn't know Jesus yet. I can, I can do this, I can pray, God will move. I can pray for my kids, my kids who've lost interest, my kids who are fed up, don't want to come near church or are in church and are fed up with it anyway. I pray today, Father, that you'll turn our hearts around, turn our minds around, turn our tongues around to say, I can do this because Christ strengthens me by his spirit. I can do it. Lord, we pray for our town and beyond. We pray for a mighty harvest of men and women and boys and girls coming to faith in Jesus Christ just because ordinary people like us are bold and courageous and share the good news and your pearls at work with us and we see people transform. Well, we think of people, let's do it right now. Think of people that are the most unimaginable people that you think could become a Christian. The most rebellious, the most sinful, the blaspheming sinful people who are living a life that's utterly rejecting Jesus. Think of them right now, pray for them. Father, we pray for people who are far from you that you will draw them to yourself, that you'll use us to bring many men and women and boys and girls into a living relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus, for the gospel. We thank you, that's great news. There's nothing like it because there's no, no one like you. We bless you and we praise you. Let us go today as we continue to worship and praise. Let us go with confidence. 
confidence in this gospel and the power of the Spirit of God with us in Jesus' name. Amen. You want to stand? We're just going to respond in worship. Yeah, we can give a clap. <laughs>